Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Malachim Aleph, Perek Dalad, Chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Malachim Aleph is the perfect pedagogic chapter because on the outside, it looks completely bland. It's two sections. The first describes Shlomo HaMelech's government, his cabinet, and the second, his 12 tax districts. On the outside, it looks completely bare. It looks like it is just a list of names and statistics and places. However, when we move on the inside, we can understand the nuances which make these statistics tell a real story. This reminds me a few years ago, you know, there was always a discussion about whether the Baal Shem Tov was a legend, was a real person or a myth. And there was an academic who went back and looked in Mejibush to the tax records, the ancient tax records of the, of the town. And he in fact found the Baal Shem Tov's tax records. Sometimes through statistics and through documents, we can discover really important evidence and really important currents about history. So let's take a look. We see the government of Shlomo HaMelech, and first in the government is Aryaru ben Sadok HaKohen, and then we have two Sofrim, two secretaries, and then Yoshafat ben Achilud Maskir, and then Benaya ben Yehoyada al Hatsava. So what can this list tell us? Well, I think we have to compare this, for example, with David's governments where in David's government, in Shaul's government, always the chief person, the first in the list of governments, whether it's in Shmuel Bet chapter 8 at the end of the chapter, or Shmuel Bet chapter 20, the first in line is the Sar Tzava, is the head of the army, what we call in Israel the Ramakal, the chief of staff. Here you will note that Shlomo has a Kohen, a Kohen at the top of his list, whereas David had second in his list a Mazkir, and fourth on his list a Sofer. Here we find two Sofrim and one Mazkir. And in Shlomo's government, the Sar HaTzavar is fourth, followed by, then, even more Kohanim. What does this tell us? Number one, we can see that Shlomo's government military priorities are lower down. As he says, going to say in chapter 5, we don't have any military attacks. There was no urgent military agenda. Shlomo, as we're told in Divrayamim, Shlomo Yeshemov His name is Shlomo from the word Shalom, and he has peace and harmony in his world. And therefore, military priorities are on the back burner. And the Sartsava, the head of the army, is not the first in the list, but put down to number four. Who's first in the list in Shlomo's government? The Kohen, the priest. And that is because Shlomo is going to make his priority building the Mikidash. And that's why not only is the Kohen in the first place, but in Pasuk Dalad we see once again, Sadok ve'evyatar Kohanim, a large place is given to the priesthood. And after that, we have a list of administrative roles, two sofrim, two secretaries. What does that mean? Maybe an internal secretary, a minister of the interior, a ministry of the exterior of the foreign ministry. Then we have a mazkir. Later on we're going to have 
the advisor to the king, a huge number of administrative government roles. And that shows the way that Shlomo expanded trade and government and all sorts of domestic policies. Um, and therefore we really get the sense that now when we look back, Shaul was really a, a small kingdom in the making. David expanded the kingdom to an empire, but still it was a kingdom in war. And Shlomo's agenda is, is, is a totally different, different one. And now this takes us to the second list, which is the list of the tax areas. Now, when you look at the tax areas, you will, well, first of all, you understand that taxation is exceptionally important in the world of Shlomo. You need finance in order to make all of central government work. Only if everybody is paying their taxes is the machinations of, of, the, of, of the different administrative departments which are going to run the country going to be able to function. If you look through the list, you're going to see a lot of fun, small details. One of the ones that I love is in Pasuk Tetvav, that Achimatz in Naftali married the daughter of Shlomo, Basmat Bat Shlomo. And another lovely example is um, Ben Aminadav, who marries uh, Tafat Bat Shlomo. So what we see here is the, that a lot of the ministers or the governors of different districts are part of the aristocracy. They're married into the royal family. This gives us a sense. You'll find some lovely names which you know if you live in Israel or if you, you know, places like Shalavim and Bet Shemesh and Eretz Hefer and Bet Sha'an and Yisrael and Mechola, Gilad, Bashan, all of these places which you'll know. Um, so those, those are fabulous. But when we look at the 12 districts, I'd like to say two things. Number one, there are 12 around all the country. But if you notice, there is no tax area of Yehuda. The final line, Yehuda v Yisrael, Rabbim, Judah and Israel were many, Kachol al-Shera, Yam, Larov, Ochlim, Veshotim, Usmechim. So what do we learn from here? That the country is doing well. Um, everybody is happy. There's a high standard of living. Ochlim, Veshotim, Usmechim. You know, the living is easy here. And uh, there's a high standard of living, and therefore people are happy to pay their taxes. But for how long? And has Shlomov made all of the other tribes pay taxes, but has actually given a tax break to his own tribe? Now this is going to come back to haunt him at the end of his reign. Because what we'll see when we get to the end of Shlomov's reign is taxation becomes an issue. And the one thing that they say to Shlomov's son is lower taxes, the tax burden is too high. So when the country's producing, this taxation enables the country to be wonderfully happy and, and a fab, fabulous standard of living. But later, this is going to be a problem. But number two, is there some sort of favoritism going on between Yehuda and the rest of the country, which is possibly, after Solomon's death, going to actually split the kingdom in a seam line whereby all of the ten tribes are going to feel that Yehuda have become this aristocracy, this ruling class, taking all of the wealth um, and using it for themselves and putting the weight of the financial burden on them. Let's add one extra feature here. When you look at the uh, tax districts, you will notice, for example, that there is one Har Ephraim, which is the area of Ephraim, 
Then there's Chefer, the area of Chefer, which is Menashe, but an extra area which is called Dor. This is the port of Dor, maybe some of you know in Israel, Chofdor near Caesarea. Effectively, effectively what this means is that whereas before Ephraim and Menashe had their own independent sections, now they're three tax districts. Shlomo seems to be not paying attention to the original tribal divisions, but actually delineating the country according to the, uh, the, the revenue that it produces. And now, since we've developed a port at Dor, it produces ports generally, create lots of revenue, and now he's charging Dor as a separate tax area. But what this effectively means is that whereas Ephraim and Manasseh are two tribes, they're being taxed like three tribes. Now this makes sense. Shlomo clearly feels that he can redraw the tribal boundaries and, you know, even though there are the 12 tribes, uh, he needs to organize the country according to a new paradigm. But I don't think Ephraim and Manasseh quite saw it that way. They saw themselves as being taxed at a higher rate. So here you have a progressive leader like Shlomo who's trying to further national projects, but he isn't quite thinking about the ethnic impact of what he is doing. So on first glance, what do we see when we look at chapter four? We see a wonderful organization, the country moving from a wartime agenda to a peacetime agenda, the tax districts, and as the chapter ends, summertime and the living is easy. Yudah v'Yisrael, smechim, ochlim, the shotim of smechim, everything is great. But maybe what we can see already by looking at this chapter is some of the fault lines which at the end of Solomon's reign and after his demise will actually bring the country to a point of division. And uh, sometimes um, in society, we have to see how moves that we make in one situation, which seem to be sensible, can have a knock-on effect later on and produce divisions and divisiveness and even calamity further down the line. That's it for today. The Hitraot have a great week.